This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Friday, August 14th, 2020. On this day in the year 1040, the forces of Macbeth of Moray killed Scottish King Duncan I in battle. Nearly 600 years later, William Shakespeare immortalized Macbeth's bloody fight for the throne in his tragedy of the same name. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today, we're covering a violent upset in the line of Scottish succession when King Duncan I died at the hands of Macbeth of Moray. Now let's go back to August 14, 1040, when Macbeth's Highland warriors prepared for battle just outside present-day Elgin, Scotland. Macbeth, son of Findlay, kept one eye to the south, waiting for the king's forces to arrive. He'd heard word from his scouts that Duncan and his army were due that day in Bothnagowin, a flat meadow just outside of Elgin. Though he was just 35, Macbeth was already a veteran warrior. He became the Moor Mayor, or Lord, of the northeastern kingdom of Moray around age 27. In the brutal wars between the clans of Scotland, Macbeth had to become a fierce fighter and strong tactician to protect Moray from invaders. As far as Macbeth was concerned, Duncan, High King of Scotland, was just another outsider. Though he ruled over much of the land of the Scots, he didn't control Moray, and Macbeth would take Duncan's crown himself before he'd bow to the king. A shout rose up from the edge of the Moray army camp. Duncan had arrived. Macbeth jumped to his feet. He yelled to his men, telling them to follow him to the battleground. A stream of Highlanders poured across the battlefield, shouting oaths in Gaelic. Some brandished long staves or spears with pointed iron heads. Others lugged heavy wooden shields, banging rhythmically on them as they ran. On the other side of the meadow, Macbeth saw the first of Duncan's men rush towards the skirmish. They'd be tired, just barely having time to drop their packs before running into an attack. The Highlanders had the advantage. Macbeth could see Duncan on horseback trying to organize his men. The High King shouted at them, trying to form them into a line before the Highlanders reached them, but it was too late. Macbeth's forces crashed over Duncan's like raging floodwaters. Moray pikemen lunged at the enemy soldiers, using the long range of their spears to stab and gore from a distance. Macbeth's foot soldiers slashed at the Southerners with short iron daggers. 
A tall, blonde Highlander wielding an axe hacked his way through Duncan's men. He swung at an enemy soldier, drawing the axe head behind the man, and then violently pulled the weapon back towards himself. The sharpened metal of the axe cut through bone and sinew, severing the man's leg just below his knee. But soon enough, Macbeth and the Highlanders grew tired. They were lugging heavy weapons, hacking and slashing at the Southerners in frantic bursts. Across the field, the soldiers' blows were slowing down and growing heavier. Sensing their flagging energy, Macbeth signaled to the reserves, men he'd left waiting by their camp. A cry went up, and hoofbeats echoed over the fen. Murray warriors on horseback thundered through the fray, swinging low with axes and knives at the Alban soldiers. It was over almost as soon as it began. After what may have been less than an hour of brutal, bloody fighting, Macbeth's army decimated Duncan's men. Macbeth walked through the bodies lying in the grass. Their blood had seeped into the ground, turning it into a muddy quagmire. He stopped when he found the man he was looking for. Duncan I, High King of Scotland, lay lifeless in the muck. Macbeth turned to his men gathered at the edge of the battlefield. He pointed down towards the slain king. He said, "'Tomorrow we march for Schoon. The High King will return to his seat at the capital, but it will not be Duncan. It will be Macbeth. Up next, we'll explore the greater impact of the battle at Buthnagawin. Hi, listeners. There's a new Spotify original from Parcast you do not want to miss. It's called Very Presidential with Ashley Flowers, and it uncovers the most damning details surrounding history's most high-profile leaders. Every Tuesday through the 2020 election, host Ashley Flowers shines a light on the darker side of the American presidency. From torrid love affairs and contemptible corruption to shocking cover-ups and even murder, she'll expose the personal and professional controversies you may never knew existed. You'll hear some wildly true stories about presidents such as Richard Nixon, Thomas Jefferson, Teddy Roosevelt, JFK, and more. Very Presidential highlights the exploits you never learned in history class, but probably should have. Family drama, personal vices, dirty secrets. These presidents may have run, but they most certainly can't hide. Follow the fantastic new series, Very Presidential with Ashley Flowers, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. On August 14th, 1040, 
35-year-old Macbeth, the Moore mayor of Moray, conquered Duncan I, High King of Scotland, in battle. Almost 600 years later, in 1623, English playwright William Shakespeare immortalized Macbeth as a murderous king driven mad by his own bloody ambition. Shakespeare's version of King Duncan's death was much different than the real monarch. In the play, Macbeth murders the elderly King Duncan in his bed, purely out of his ambition to rule. In reality, the approximately 39-year-old Duncan fell in battle, and it's unclear if Macbeth himself slew the High King or if he fell to another warrior's blow. The specific reason for High King Duncan's invasion of the Scottish Kingdom of Moray has been lost to time. What is known is that after Duncan fell at Bothnagowin, Macbeth led his troops to the Scottish capital of Schoon. There, the Scots crowned him the new High King. In our modern view of a monarchy, Macbeth could be seen as a usurper who took the title with no real claim to the throne. But in actuality, he merely followed the old law of the land, and it was Duncan and his family who broke the natural order of succession. In the 10th and 11th century, Scotland was divided into a group of small, warring kingdoms, each ruled by a clan. At various points, a high king controlled some of these states, but others refused to bow to this monarch's power. Malcolm II, Duncan's grandfather, ruled as the High King of Scotland from the years 1005 to 1034. In Malcolm's time, Scotland did not have a patrilineal line of succession like the Norman Kingdom to the south. Instead, they used a practice called tanistry. Under tanistry, any worthy male relative or descendant of a ruler had a claim to their throne. This included sons, brothers, nephews, and cousins. Sitting kings were commonly killed by relatives with a claim to the throne. And if a king died naturally, they had no way to guarantee their children would inherit the crown. Malcolm II decided that the Scottish tradition was antiquated. Instead, he wished to do what the Normans did and rule as a dynasty, passing the crown down to his heir. Malcolm knew that the other Scottish lords would take up arms if he denied them their right to the kingship, so he didn't give them the chance to protest. During Malcolm's rule, he systematically murdered almost every man with a claim to his throne. Somehow, Macbeth survived the purge. He was related to Malcolm through his mother, so he had a claim to the Scottish crown. Contemporary scholars believe that Macbeth's young age protected him. He was only a child when Malcolm went on his killing spree. So in a way, Macbeth's ascension to power was just a return to Scottish tradition. Duncan, not Macbeth, was the real usurper. Be that as it may, Duncan's line still had the last laugh. By all surviving accounts, Macbeth's reign over Scotland marked an era of prosperity and relative peace, but he was not without his enemies. After their father's death at Bothnagowin, Duncan's young sons Donalbane and Malcolm III fled to escape execution. 
In the year 1057, 26-year-old Malcolm III led his forces against Macbeth. On August 15th, Malcolm killed Macbeth in battle. He had finally avenged his father's death. The next year, Malcolm hunted down and slew Macbeth's son, Lalak, eliminating him as a challenger. Then Malcolm III was crowned High King of Scotland. Malcolm fathered a dynasty that lasted for 200 years. All later High Kings were descended from him, until Scotland came under English influence in 1292. In writing the history books, Macbeth's short legacy became one of murder and treason. So when Shakespeare took pen to paper in the early 1600s, he merely retold a story that had been passed down for generations. He certainly added some dramatic flourishes, but the descendants of Duncan had already painted Macbeth as a villain. After all, to the victor go the spoils, including the historical record. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Molly Quinlan, with writing assistance by Nora Battelle. I'm Vanessa Richardson. It's the most powerful position in American politics, and arguably the world. But behind the oath to preserve, protect, and defend lie dark secrets posed to leave some legacies in disgrace. Don't forget to check out the new Spotify original from Parcast, Very Presidential with Ashley Flowers. Every Tuesday through the 2020 election, host Ashley Flowers shines a light on the darker side of the American presidency, exposing wildly true stories about history's most high-profile leaders. To hear more, follow Very Presidential with Ashley Flowers, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.